I accelerated my success as a realtor by tuning into podcasts, and now it's time for me to give back. Join me while I chat with some of the top agents in the industry, gaining insight into how they became experts at selling real estate so you can too. Who am I? Well, I'm Mark Rawmaker. I went from selling $5 million in real estate my first year as a part-time agent to running a mega icon team who has sold over $260 million in real estate in just five years. I'll be your host while we talk to yet another amazing realtor crushing the game. Welcome to the Real Estate Ninja Podcast. Welcome to the Real Estate Ninja Podcast. I'm here to bring you interviews with top agents so you can learn more about how they are dominating the industry. And our guest today, we have Mr. Kyle Handy, one of the most famous realtors on YouTube. We will chat about his journey researching SEO and the tools he actually uses to help him rank on YouTube. Quite an impressive feat considering he nearly has 30,000 subscribers. In this episode, you'll get a wealth of valuable information, including tips and tricks you can use on your own SEO journey. Before we get started, though, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And it'd be awesome if you could give us a five-star review so that more people like you can join in on this incredible podcast. All right. Here's Kyle Handy. All right. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Real Estate Ninja Podcast. This is the ultimate destination for anyone looking to sharpen the real estate skills and stay ahead of the game. Our expert guests will share their knowledge, experience, and tips to help you succeed in the industry. So make sure you hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And today, ladies and gentlemen, we have one of my favorite people in the world, to be honest, uh, Mr. Kyle Handy. Um, he's a YouTube sensation. He's a star. He's everything. Uh, I'll give you a little bio, then we'll intro him. So Kyle Handy, the 36-year-old real estate agent and expansion team leader who's taken the industry by storm. An impressive 18 years of experience under his belt, Kyle is a true expert in the field and his passion for real estate is absolutely infectious. After starting his own independent real estate brokerage in 2013, Kyle quickly realized that overhead costs were holding him back from achieving his full potential earnings. So in 2017, he made the bold move to join eXp Realty and it's been nothing short of amazing ever since. With over 600 agents across 34 states and and in Canada. Kyle's not only achieving incredible success for himself, but he's also helping other agents reach their goals too. Through his inspiring blog and YouTube channel, he's sharing his top tips and strategies with the world and it's paying off big time. Kyle is living proof that hard work, determination, and a passion for real estate, anything is possible. Kyle, what's up, man? How are you? What's up, Mark? Thank you so much, man. That's an amazing intro. I appreciate that. And, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, it's been a, been a fun ride. Yeah, it has been a fun ride. So Kyle and I, just a little background, we've been friends, we've been in business together. We figured this out a few days ago. I was on his podcast for almost five, four and a half years, which is super fun, man. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited you're on here because you have a lot of a lot of different skill sets than most real estate agents, right? With when it comes to SEO, when it comes to YouTube, you've created this path for a lot of agents that either don't know how to do it or are curious about doing it. So I'm, I'm definitely going to unpack all that stuff. But first, uh, if you don't mind, let's start out like, um, let's go ahead and go over like, what'd you do before real estate? Yeah. Uh, well, so man, like real estate's been my whole life pretty much. I mean, so I got my license when I was 18. I'm 36 now. So for half my life, I've had my license. Like before that, I really, you know, just had some some kind of like part-time, you know, basic jobs in the summer while I was going to school and stuff. And so literally straight out of college, I got my degree in finance. Um, it was 2008. And I was like, I don't know really what to quite do yet. Um, it, it was a, a tough market for finance, you know, and even real estate. But uh, but my mom had happened to be a broker uh, in real estate for some time. So she was like, why don't you just, you know, use your license and just see how it goes. And, uh, and so basically I, I just jumped into real estate found out pretty quickly that I did like it. Um, I had a knack for it. And even though it was a challenging market, I'm here in San Antonio, Texas. Um, we still had, you know, a lot of like military relocations. We had a lot of people still moving to the area. And so I was able to start doing pretty good and uh, starting to, you know, learn the sales skills and stuff like that. And basically just, you know, over the years, my, my business evolved. I had a family in 2013 is when we had our first kids. And I was like, you know, I love real estate, but I also need to figure out a way to scale my business to be able to like build leverage into my business. And uh, so I'm not working, you know, nights and weekends and taking calls at all hours of the day. And so like 2013 was kind of like my first thought of like trying to build something that uh, was more than just, you know, an, an individual agent based business. And so I tried a, a bunch of different things and, you know, we can dive into all that different stuff, but I started an independent brokerage. I've done a lot of flip homes and rental property stuff. And then like you mentioned, joined eXp in 2017. 
then building out a group here. Um, but then in doing that, it got me kind of interested in the SEO game and kind of just, you know, building up a website and a blog. And then that kind of transferred into a, a YouTube channel. And so it's it's been a fun journey, like I say, and I'm happy to unpack it all and kind of, you know, share anything that, you know, I've learned along the way uh, with your audience. But um, But yeah, happy to be here. Thanks so much, Mark. That's an interesting journey that you just, your mom was already in real estate. So you just kind of jumped on the train, which is yeah. cool because most people's stories aren't that they did their a career had success or failure. And then they just fell into real estate or they watched house hunters. Right. And they were like, oh, I love, <laughs> exactly. I love, I love interior design. So they got into it. So that's pretty cool. So, so you were an independent broker. We have, we might have listeners that are considering that or doing that or currently doing that, what are, what are some, what were some of the struggles and, and successes you had as a, just a broker owning your own brokerage? Yeah. Oh man, there was, there's a lot. Um, you know, I can just say definitely to anybody thinking about if you're not on that path already, you know, think, think long and hard about it. Cause there's a lot of stuff I didn't know. I think, you know, I, I wouldn't change my path. Like I'm glad that, you know, I did it, but I, I think at the time I was kind of naive. Like I didn't realize what all it took and like to, to run a business, especially to run a real estate brokerage based business. Um, what I came to realize and those running an independent brokerage may know this already is a, you know, the margins are very thin. Um, when you're an independent, like, you know, it's one of those things where you think that everybody just wants to join you and they're going to stay with you for, you know, indefinitely, uh, just because you're such a great person, um, or you're such a great marketer, or you're such a great business person, whatever. But realistically, you know, people, you know, they're in it for their opportunity. And so they're constantly always evaluating if like what they're getting is the best you know, value. And so for you to be a good brokerage owner, this is what I didn't realize. You have to provide things, right? You have to provide a lot, you know, uh, whether it's your time and energy, you know, pouring it into those agents to help them be successful. Um, but then also like when I had my, my office, we had a, a physical brick and mortar location, which is, you know, what some of those agents valued. Um, we had systems and tools, you know, like CRM system that I provided to the agents. We had lead generation. I even had staff, um, you know, nearing the end of it where I had, you know, somebody that worked in the office to kind of help with transaction management and stuff like that. And it got, be, it got to be pretty expensive, you know, in the neighborhood of like twenty dollars to $25,000 per month and uh, on average. And, you know, I had about 15 agents and each of them were on, you know, different splits. But I can tell you without a doubt that the split that I got from those agents at the time was never enough to fully cover all of the overhead that we had for the office. And so a lot of what we ended up doing was I was supplementing the business like because I was still selling, You're selling right. uh, myself. And a lot of, you know, to keep those the doors open, the money was coming out of my income. So if I would make 350, 400,000 in a year, you know, in GCI, I would end up taking home like 80 grand at the end of the year, you know, and it was just like, why am I doing this? You know, and it was one of those things where you go and you're walking on eggshells all the time, because at any moment, some agent could, you know, think the grass is greener over here and leave and, you know, and then, oh, now I got to go replace this person. And you're constantly fielding more questions because, you know, at the time it was like thinking I was going to get more freedom because here I am getting agents and hoping they're going to, you know, do their thing and bring in income to the business. And it wasn't like that. Like I was doing my own business, fielding my own questions for my clients, buyers and sellers. But then I was asked also fielding in all these questions and trying to do things with the agents and to where I was working 70 to 80 to 90 hours in a week. And this was, at, you know, when I had my kids. And, uh, you know, they were young and like, I want to spend time and I'm like, oh my gosh, like this is the opposite direction that I had intended to go with this. You know, that was about four years of doing that from 2013 to 2017. So do you think, was it kind of a slow burn of you realizing that, or did it feel like maybe a few months in you're like, oh, hold on a second. What was it? What was that experience like? No, it was a slow burn. It was that. And then it was also just, you know, that, that feeling of like, you know, I can change this. I can fix this, you know, kind of right. like the, the thinking. <laughs> yeah, like, problem hey, solvers. You know, like, That's what agents uh, are, yeah, right? It, exactly. Like, Hey, you know, like I'll, I'll figure this out, you know? And I just kept thinking like, I'll figure this out. I'll figure this out. And, and, you know, realistically, I mean, it was just, it was, it's a tough business. Anybody who has ever run an independent brokerage, I think can tell you, you know, the, the percentage of indies that end up being really successful, like to where it is like a kind of a passive business. I, I mean, it's, you know, fraction of 1%. It's like, you know, it's not even right. close. Um, right. 
So, so yeah, yeah it's the scalability that. that's just not really there necessarily, yeah. you know, it can be obviously, but, um, speaking of that, so let's, let's, let's jump subjects a little bit. So then you, your journey, you left, you came to EXP Realty, right? And the, you've, you've become a master at the revenue share part of it. Now this isn't for, you know, this isn't an EXP podcast, but I will say for your specific journey, I would like to hear how, like, Tran, you know, making the transfer from an independent brokerage to, you know, being like, this isn't passive at all to, I mean, full transparency, how many homes did you sell last year? Right? Uh, I think I did like maybe four, four or five. Yeah, right. Just exactly. Like, yeah. Right. But well, your GCI was well over what? <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, well over, you know, close to probably 400 uh, when you factor 400,000 with, uh, you know, all the, the, the revenue share and stuff. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, so you actually in a, in a non-planned way, you plan it out now. So tell us that journey from going from not having passive income and still having massive expenses to making the leap to a revenue share brokerage and now doing that. What was, what I know that in a short amount of time, but what, what was that journey like? Yeah, well, I mean, the funny story is, and I mean, you know, only a few people kind of know this, but even when I joined EXP, I was pretty hesitant, right? Like, you know, I kind of thought like this was summer of 2017 that I joined. And the only reason I even took the meeting to like hear about EXP um, was because of my CPA. And so like literally, you know, I had this guy, uh, which you know now too, uh, Pat Hayes, right? He'd been reaching out to me for about a year. And I just kept blowing them off like, dude, I've got my own bro- brokerage. Why would I ever, you know, listen to to this? And it wasn't until I was filing my taxes in 2017, my CPA was like, hey, you know, I just did this guy's taxes and he's doing some crazy stuff with with real estate where he's, you know, making some residual and, you know, and he, my, my CPA knew my business. And so, and he was kind of impartial source. So when he was telling me like, hey, you need to look at this, you know, opportunity, you know, it, it, it carried a little bit more weight. And so then at that point I left the meeting, I called Pat up. I was like, all right, man, Hey, I'm probably still not going to join, but I want to hear this thing. What is it? And basically I just saw that it was a way that I could still build my business kind of within a business and, Mm -hmm. um, and kind of offload a lot of the overhead and the risk that I had been taking uh, over the last four years. And so I did it. And, and then, so you know, fast forward then, you know, I joined and probably the first like eight months, I really didn't do much quite honestly with like the revenue share opportunity. It was more of just like, I could kind of finally breathe again because I didn't have yeah. all the overhead. And like, I was like, let me just start selling some more homes again and, you know, making some money and actually like keeping this money and, uh, you know, replenishing the bank accounts, paying off the credit cards, you know, doing all that stuff. And so I really just put my head down and started selling. And then I would say like 2018, like, you know, springtime, I was like, all right, hey, I'm going to get serious about, you know, this revenue share thing. Like this was, it's a good opportunity. Why not take advantage of it? And so I started to like kind of add it into my daily business to where I was still focused on selling. Like I probably spent 80, 90% of my work week uh, focused on selling, working with buyers and sellers. And, uh, but I'd sprinkle in like 10 to 20%. Like I would take a meeting and go to coffee with an agent or I'd spend like an hour or two, like prospecting to some agents, like calling, you know, texting, whatever. And I just started trickling it in and, you know, and and so then really it, it probably, I would say it started to snowball pretty quick. You know, I'd get maybe, you know, two agents a month or something that would want to join, uh, the brokerage with me. And then I was like, wow, this is working. I started getting some money, like, you know, a couple grand, you know, a, a month in revenue share. And it's like, man, I need to actually make this a bigger part of my business. So then I was like, well, how can I do it online? Like, how can I take this, do it on social media, do it with, you know, Google, do it with like all these other things versus just doing it in my my personal local based business. And then that's kind of what set me down, down my path of like SEO and stuff. That's That's fantastic. And then what you did there was, you did create this community within your team, right? This new brokerage team, even though they weren't on your team or they weren't part of your, you know, they weren't under you, like you weren't responsible for them really, but you created this community um, of training the agents. I feel like you probably had a lot of knowledge from training your, your independent brokerage. You're like, Oh, if I put this online, right. Is, and that's the path you decided to take, which again, your YouTube channel, if people haven't gone to your YouTube channel, go pause it and go right now. Cause it is so much, it's so full of so much valuable content. It's insane. That's why you have so many subscribers. But, um, so go with that mindset of uh, like what happened when you're like, okay, I can, like you just said, you just cut off, like I can go much broader with this and the opportunity is kind of endless did you sit down by yourself and write down a goals or what, like, how, or was it an accident? Did you hit record? Like, what was that journey like? 
Yeah. Well, so funny enough, I mean, it was kind of two things. Basically, you know, what happened was I had been doing Zoom calls and like meetings like with my my group and even the agents that were with me in, in locally in San Antonio, you know, I was doing Zoom calls just because I had gotten rid of my office already. And so I was already doing them. And that's kind of the start of like creating my YouTube videos was Zoom. So like if you go back to some of my very first YouTube videos, they're like just recorded Zoom calls that I did with the team. And I started to realize like, wow, you know, like if I answer these questions on video, like the next time somebody has that question, like I don't have to answer it again. I can just like send them a link real quick, you know? And yeah. I was like, so let me, you know, publish these things on YouTube. And so that's kind of how like the channel started. Um, but at the same time, it wasn't really like, a, like I still hadn't thought of like using, you know, that start of it for actually like agent attraction or for my business because funny enough, what had happened was like in 2018, when I was like, I want to take this a little bit bigger, I had done a lot of like Google advertising, you know, uh, still did, you know, for like buyers and sellers. And I was like, I know Google ads, let me use that for EXP, right? Like, let me mm -hmm. run some ads for EXP and, you know, and, and get, you know, people who, you know, are interested or are searching about the topic. And, and that's how I originally thought I was going to do this. Well, shortly after, maybe like four, five, six months of, of doing that, I get a message from Glenn Sanford, the founder of EXP. <laughs> and he's like, hey, you know, uh, we just came out with this thing called the Agent Attraction Pledge. It says in it that we're uh, not going to allow agents to run advertising for agent attraction purposes. And, um, and I was like, oh, well, that kind of stinks. Like, you know, that's what my plan was. Like, you know, this is how I was going to do this. And, and so that was like a kind of a, you know, shot in the gut. And I was like, what am I going to do? I had to pivot. I was like, man, well, you know, if I hear, you know, if I come up organically, like I still, you know, I still want to make things to where if somebody searches, if I come up organically, they can't stop me from doing that. Right. Like that was my thought. Like, I just can't run ads. That's what he said. And I was like, well, so let me learn how the, to show up organically uh, for these different search terms and, and, and di different things. And that's honestly when it's kind of started to transform my my process and my content creation and just learning about SEO and how to optimize things, how to get strategic with it and like figure out like what are people actually like, what are agents actually searching for um, versus just creating whatever. Because, you know, even those first few YouTube videos that I had put out that were just Zoom calls, they weren't optimized. They weren't really right. like, you know, anything specific that somebody would have been searching for. And so I was like, look, I can, I can actually make a go at this, uh, if I can learn this, this process. And so it was just, you know, that was probably, you know, big, pretty big turning point ish, I would yeah. say yeah, 2019 ish. And so, yeah. So then let's, let's go there then. Um, so you say optimize, you say SEO. Now I feel like most people in 2023 start to know what that is, but I mean, we don't need to dumb it down a little bit, but when you say that, it seems so simple in your brain, but to my brain, I understand it needs to work, but I don't even know where to go or what to do. And I feel like a lot of people don't, that's why you're dominating. Right. So if you yeah. can, like, what's your, like, when you say optimize, what's your, if you, if let's say you're going to write a blog, right. Um, what's your process? What's, what are your steps and what tools do you use? So the first step I would say, you know, in, in creating like SEO optimized content would just be a, you know, research the topics like research. So, you know, first off, before you even do that, I mean, this is part of kind of maybe your business plan or your idea is who's your target audience, first of all, right? Like, cause like whoever's watching this right now, maybe you're not thinking of this in the sense that I am, right? Where it's like, I'm targeting, you know, agents and, and wanting to that to be my target audience. Maybe yours is, you know, buyers and sellers in whatever your local market is, but even be more specific than that. Like, what is your niche? Like who do the you- First time service? home buyers, first, first time, time home, home sellers, move up buyers, Relocation right? Relocation people. Yeah, right. whatever it might be like, but be very specific. Like who is your target audience? And then you have to put yourself in those sh in their shoes and really figure out like well, what are the things that these people are interested in and how are they navigating the internet right like that's kind of how you have to figure it out um, because it all starts there um, if you if you don't get that right then you're going to put a lot of effort in for no for no purpose and so you know I kind of knew like where my target audience is and I knew what they were searching for like I was researching things. Um, and to, to really get to kind of get an idea of that, there's a couple different ways that you can find that kind of stuff out. Like, um, you can use keyword research tools specifically. Like I use a tool called Ahrefs, um, okay. which is a pretty popular, you know, keyword research tool in the industry. And, um, and you can How go do you in spell there that. And, What's you know, that called again? Eight. Uh, 
A H refs. So A H R E F S dot com. Yeah. And, um, and basically you go in there and you can put in any kind of a, you know, search keyword that you think somebody might be searching for. And it'll tell you there's only 10 searches a month on this keyword, or there's 54,000 searches a month on this keyword. Right. So, so that's, there's a big difference, right? Like, and it can be subtle too. Like you might, you know, put like the best brokerage in the U S and get, you know, a thousand searches a month. And then you might put like best broker in the U S and there could be like 10. Right. And so, and you don't even know that until you search. And so know, you're just being and, creative and, and being uh, uh, like, what, do it a bunch of different ways to see how, what, what the opportunity is, right. With the least, the exactly. better, right. Yeah. And I do use, and I still use like Google auto suggest. So if you just go to like Google's, you know, website and their, their search box and you kind of start to type stuff and you see like what it suggests immediately down below that, those are usually good guides to let you know, like, you know, Google, there's people searching for those terms. Otherwise Google wouldn't have them in that box there. So like, I usually will start there and I'll like use Google auto suggest, get some suggested things, and then I'll pop those things into Ahrefs. And then Ahrefs is great because then it's actually got like, you know, all sorts of uh, extra, like similar uh, words that you might use and stuff like that. So anyways, you know, that that's kind of the process to get started because then from there I can see, okay, these keywords get a lot of volume per month. And the other, and this is the other side of it. That's really helpful about the tool is it tells you the difficulty of you ranking for those particular terms. That's cool. Like, yeah, in the beginning, when you're just getting started, you know, you're going to want to go after some easy terms, right? Because you're, you're not ranking yet. You have no links, you know, people linking to your site. So there's like really no uh, reason why Google will rank you very high on difficult terms. So you have to go after the ones that are, you know, that are, that are, le- that are more obscure. They called long tailed keywords. And so like an example of this might be instead of going after the search term, you know, how to buy a house in San Antonio, right? Like that might be a very competitive keyword because that's something that probably a lot of people are searching, but there's also a lot of people that may be, um, you know, creating content for that. Maybe you have to go after like how to buy a home in San Antonio with less than, you know, for for less than $400,000, right? Or something like that. Like you add on, that's why they're called long tail keywords. And then you create a piece of content that's specific to that particular term, because you can be the best when you go after more obscure things versus if you're you know competing with a bunch of people. So, so anyways, I compile a list of a bunch of different keywords and things that I want to go after and make a spreadsheet. And then, you know, and this is, I think the, the thing that separates, you know, most successful content creators from those that, that don't is then you just have to be consistent with, you know, knocking out those terms. You know, a lot of times people will, will pick up steam. They'll, they'll be like, all right, I'm doing this, you know, and they, they can do that. Like you can, you know, go and get a, get a uh, subscription to Hrefs and start like finding out your keywords. You can do all that within like three hours, right? Two, three hours, four hours. You can have your plan ready to go. Um, and then you might even start like creating content. But I think the the thing that separates is like, are you going to continue to show up week in, week out, you know, creating, you know, 10, 20, 30, 50, 100, 200, 500 pieces of content, you know, over time. And then, and that's the thing that really, because everybody can do it. It's just a matter of, are you going to stay doing it? So, yeah, because ultimately most people get excited about a new tool or a new thing, right? And with content creation, whether it's a blog or a video, um, I'm sh- how many times do you put something up and you think it's going to be great and nobody watches it or nobody reads oh, yeah. it, right? Yeah. And then you keep, but you just keep doing it. So y- you've created a system in your world where you just create and move on to the next piece, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I mean, yes and no. So here's the, here's the kind of the interesting thing. Cause now I've been doing the content piece for, you know, I guess it's going on probably three solid years, but you know, four years in total. And so, you know, you usually you create that piece of content, you put it out there and you don't have to think about it. But eventually now what I'm starting to realize is you do have to go back and you got to like, you know, revise. And there's a lot of things that change, you know, like dates and stuff, like if you reference things. So it, it is, it's, it's not something you have to do all the time necessarily where it's like, like I always differentiate like social media, Facebook, Instagram, you know, TikTok, um, and like YouTube and Google. I think like those, you know, YouTube and Google are very different mm-hmm. because for the most part, you do put that content out and you can kind of like 
let it, you know, let it do its thing. Let right? it burn. You have to touch yeah. it for a while. Whereas like Facebook, if you, you know, or, you know, Instagram, you don't post for a, a, a week or a day, even sometimes it's like, you're not getting shown up. You're, you're not going to get seen by your audience. And so it is that, that like, that's, that's kind of the differentiator. There will be some maintenance you have to do eventually to your posts, but for the most part, especially in the beginning when you're just creating, like I remember, you know, the first two, three years I was just creating, I wasn't thinking about like going back and like having to revise things. That's kind of later on in the game that you do have to do that. So in the beginning, yeah, it is pretty much just like you create whatever the best piece of content at that time is that you think you can make on that subject, you release it. You promote it a little bit, you know, in the beginning, like I've got an email list and I've got social media and I'll promote it to those channels. Um, And then at that point, it just kind of like, you know, sits there and some of those pieces of content take off. Some of the pieces kind of flounder out and they don't do so great. But, you know, ultimately, and and I think this is the other thing to really point out to the audience is that in the beginning, you know, most of your content is not going to take off at all. Like, you know, the first 30 to 50 posts or pieces of content you make are probably not going to do very much. And I think for a lot of agents, that's very discouraging. That seems very slow. And it is right. It's kind of a slow bill. Like if you're needing to sell a house 30 days from now, 60 days from now, like this probably isn't going to be the mechanism to get you to do it, right? You're not going right. to just publish a piece of content and then all of a sudden, like the leads start seven buyers. In. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not quite like that. It's, this is the long game. And when I say long game, I'm not talking like it has to take three, four years until it's actually successful. I mean, some agents can have success within four to six months with, you know, actually generating Consistency. leads from what they're right. doing. But it is one of those things where, you know, the more you do of it, the like the, the quicker that you do it, um, the, the quicker your results will be. Like, I do really believe that you need to get to about 30 to 50 published pieces of content before like you're really going to start to see some of these before Google. Cause with YouTube and Google before Google and YouTube are like, Oh, okay. This person is legit. People are watching this person. They have something to say and it's valuable information, right? That's exactly it. Yeah. I mean, you're basically like Google is kind of like, you know, testing you out like, Hey, is this person going to really stick? Cause I mean, there's, there's like millions and millions of websites out there, you know, in the majority of those websites though, they might have like anywhere from like one to five pieces of content. They just end up fizzling out. Right. But the actual websites that have, you know, valuable content is few and far between. And so Google, before they really start to publish you, you know, and, and push you out to the masses, um, they want to know, like, is this person here to stay? Like, are they, and then, you know, if they do start to push you out to the masses, like, is this person putting out good stuff where people are actually staying on page, you know, reading it, or if you're, you know, on YouTube, are they actually watching the videos, you know, like through to the end, if, if, you know, if possible. Right. And so, yeah, so there's like those types of ranking things. But yeah, I think the biggest thing though, like going back to your question about the process is just starts with keyword research creating a plan of attack, like what, you know, what are, who's your audience? What are you going to serve them? What type of content? How are you going to do it strategically? Like, what are the keywords? And then here's the thing that I think gets, you know, a lot of people that get uh, hung up on is that, you know, they start thinking like, well, you know, th- this piece of content is not good, right? Like either I'm not a good writer and I just wrote this thing and it's not that good, or I don't, you know, I'm not good on video and I just re- you know, created this video and it's not good. And, and so I think the next thing I want to talk about is maybe that is kind of just this idea that like, you know, when you first start this thing, it's going to have to, it has to be perfect and it's, or it's got, you know, or it's going to be perfect. Like it's not like, like I say, my first piece of content, you know, there were like zoom videos, they were terrible blog posts. Like it was just, it was not the, the best stuff. Right. But that really didn't matter. Like, I'm not saying to go intentionally put out junk, but don't like criticize yourself for where you're getting started at. Like go out there, put what you think is good out there and don't second guess yourself. And then the nice thing is if you consistently do it, you will get better at the craft over time. Well, it's the same. It's similar to if you're just buying, if you're helping people buy and sell, you go on your first listing consultation, we can all talk through that. And we were terrible. Everybody's terrible (laughs) because you don't know what to expect. You're just making stuff up, right? Even if you have training or not, but you get better by doing it over and over, showing homes, writing contracts, negotiating, you know, the more you do it, the better you get at it. Um, Would there just paychecks that come along with that, with those, with learning those skill sets, with content creation, you're just hoping you get paychecks. So, but you knew, you knew back when you started doing this, I'm, you just trusted yourself and trusted if the things I, if in my life, if I do it consistently, I'll get, I'll see success. I'll see rewards. Right. 
Exactly. And, and I was, you know, trying to like, you know, figure out small wins. Right. So like I would That's put, great. you know, Google analytics on my website and like, even if I, you know, got four units of traffic, right. Like, you know, four people clicked on them. Like, that was a win for me. Right. And Huge. I would just like celebrate all of the little things along the way, even though it necessarily wasn't like providing me income at the time. Like, fortunately I was still, you know, actively selling real estate. Like I still had other stuff going on to make income. But I was celebrating these wins because I could see the trajectory of where it was taking me. And I also was plugged in to like watching creators and seeing that like, okay, hey, this person, you know, was they're successful doing it now. It might have taken them three, four years, but I will be there if I just stay on this path. And that's kind of, you know, what I did. And so so I was plugged into people that were doing it. I was watching them on YouTube. I was actually connecting and talking to other creators as well. Yeah. asking questions. And that was like what helped me to stay, you know, on the right path focused. And, and stay focused. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, so, so talking about this now, now there's all these tools out here. I feel like the game has changed. We have chat GPT, which is mind blowing. Yeah. So, yeah. um, and just AI stuff, do you suggest, and, and do you personally use those, those AIs or do you still, I know you, when you first started, you'd write yourself cause we've had that conversation. You'd write your own scripts, you'd write mm-hmm. your own blogs. Do you still use that or are you using, are you using the, any of the AI stuff? Great. Yeah, no, I'm so thankful for, for like ChatGPT and these AI tools to come out. At first I was a little nervous, right? Like, you know, I think ChatGPT came out in November of 22 and I didn't really hear about it until like December ish. Right. And I was looking, I was like, wow, this thing is actually truly powerful. Like there had been some AI tools before ChatGPT, but they were really never good enough in my opinion to like make worthwhile stuff. And, And if you tried using them, it almost seemed like it would like slow me down versus me just like, you know, kind of like writing them myself. But ChatGPT was finally the first one where I'm like, this actually is, is, is helpful. Right. Right. And, um, and so, but then, then the second thought that kind of came through my mind after I was like, well, this is helpful is, but do I really need to use this on my site or should I be using this on my site? Because, you know, at first Google hadn't really put out like a stance on like if AI content is going to be like penalized in some, you know, form, because, because there is ways that, you know, they can detect kind of AI, even though it is original content and this type of thing. Like, I mean, there's, there's tools now where you can actually throw an article into, and it'll tell you like a probability, like this is 98% sure that it's AI written versus, you know, if I put something I wrote, you know, it's like 98% sure that it's, you know, human original. Yeah. And, And, you know, and so that's where it's, so they, if, if there's tools like that, that can create it, Google, I can guarantee you can decipher it. Right. Right. And so I was a little nervous at first, but then uh, probably about a month ago, maybe three weeks ago now, Google actually came out with their stance on AI content and um, Ooh, breaking and actually, news, breaking news. What'd they say? <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they actually said, you know, that they will not penalize um, AI content just for the sake of it being AI generated. Um, however, they are still going to um, treat it like how they've always kind of treated, uh, you know, treated search results, which is a on, you know, um, if you're creating like duplicate content, which a lot of times if you're using AI, it is duplicate. Like it's, right. it's not going to be word for word duplicate, but like, let's just say you go in there and you put a blog, you say, chat GBT, make me an article on, you know, how to buy a house in San Antonio, Texas. Well, I tell you what, I mean, there's probably 50 other agents that probably put that same prompt in there in the blog post. Maybe it's not word for word, but I can guarantee you like the headlines, the format of it, like everything is going to look very similar. And Google knows they'll, they'll be able to see like, that's very, um, you know, very similar. That's going to be considered. And what the AI is doing is pulling from blog posts that are already written. Correct. Anyway, whether it's original or AI. So it is just regurgitating it. However, it's still original, you know, quote unquote, that's 100% right. And so, so that's where what Google stance is, is saying like, well, you know, if you use AI to create your stuff and we can tell that it's it's AI, that's okay as long as you're providing a a solid piece of content that is not like duplicated with, you know, all these other people that might be using the prompts. And so what that tells me or what that, you know, has has allowed me to use AI for and, and specifically ChatGPT is like I still need to be the one that that formulates the ideas like for like what I end up doing, because 
I'll even be truthful. Like I'm not, I, I feel like I'm still not a great writer, right? Like, like I've written all these blog posts. I was, I was always more of a math person myself, right? Like I was a finance major, uh, you know, I was always a math guy. And usually, you know, most people know you're either like an English person or you're like a math person, right? Like that's just how your brain works. And so as much of the writing that I've done, I still don't necessarily feel that like my writing is, is in a, you know, in a great state, right? Where I can just write and it's very interesting and written correctly. And so what I use ChatGPT for is like, I'll just throw my, my words down on paper, like kind of raw and just like really fast. And, uh, and then I'll say, Hey, you know, ChatGPT rewrite this for me, like in a, you know, in a good way or whatever. Right. And like, it's really interesting to see what they do. They still take my ideas. They word it though. That sounds a lot better. And so that's like one example of something that I might do, you know, so I come up with like an outline still kind of write stuff, you know, pretty raw. And yeah. so the way that I would say that most people should use chat GPT, if you want it to be effective for you from an SEO standpoint is use it as a companion. Don't use it as that's, like, that's great. You know, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Even, like even like if you write or write a basic blog or a simple YouTube script about buying a house in, you know, Dallas, and then just say, rewrite this in a more energetic way or a more fun way or an informative way. Right. And then it'll type that all out. Um, it is super powerful. It's kind of crazy. I keep waiting for it, something to go wrong with it because <laughs> it feels yeah. like a feels like a the. Remember, did you ever play video games? Oh yeah. oh yeah, remember the the contra left left right right. Down, yeah. down, down. <laughs> it feels yeah. kind of like that. Yeah, code, man. Yeah. yeah, it feels yeah. a little bit like a cheat code. So hopefully, you know, it's it should be able to really boost people's content creation, especially that aren't in the content creation world. So um, yeah, that's awesome. I think another thing that it does a great job of too is like you said, it'll help people boost their content creation because now what you can do is like, let's say you go out and you make a blog post that was you creating it. Now, maybe it was chat GPT as your companion and it was kind of like helping you to formulate it and, and to do this thing, but you're still like putting some effort into it uh, to make that post. Well, now you can actually take that post and you can uh, have chat GPT repurpose it for you. Right. So like what I will do now, and if it's an extremely long post, this, you might have to like kind of cut some sections because they call them tokens, but like chat GPT right now, it's, it's good for, I think it's up to like 4,000 or 5,000 tokens, which a token is like a character. So if you write like a 3000, you know, word blog post or something like that, um, and you basically, what you want to do is like, I'll feed chat GPT, my blog post that I just wrote. And I'll say, now, you know, repurpose this into a 350 word YouTube short or TikTok or Instagram reel. And now I'm feeding them an article that I made. So it's original. It's still like so it's yours. It's your brain. Thoughts, it's coming from but your it brain. It shrinks it down. It shrinks it down to where it's like, okay, now this can, you know, fit inside of a one minute video. Right. You know, and so then it'll create, you know, 500 words. But the reason I brought up the tokens thing is like, again, if it's a 4,000 word limit, if you're asking, if you're feeding it a lot of stuff and you're expecting also that it's going to, you know, send you a bunch of stuff, it, it's max is 4,000. So you won't want to go, you know, and do yeah, cause like, I hear you. what I have tried to do is like, Hey, take this blog post and make me a YouTube script. That's, you know, 2000 words. Well, if, you know, if it goes above it, it starts to, you know, it'll either shut, cut it off right there. Yeah. Um, but that, those are some ways that you can create more content pieces, um, using chat GPT a lot faster. Oh, that's awesome. That's so cool. Um, so, so real quick, where you are now in your content creation, you, are you still doing blogs and YouTube? You're doing the same, right? Are you doing, yeah. are you doing it this, like whatever your topic is, are you keeping it the same or do you have separate blogs and separate YouTube videos? No. So actually, and I think this is a, you know, a great, um, you know, tip as well for, for people who are, you know, just e even if you're just wanting to like get big on YouTube, I'll tell you, I mean, I think that it's so um, important to have like a, a blog to go along with it. And I do mirror my content pieces on both platforms, right? Like that's uh, to answer your question there. Mm -hmm. And here's why I think it's so important is what's interesting is I have about the same amount of content on my blog as I do on my YouTube channel. I've got about a little over 300 pieces at this point, like 320, 330 pieces of content. What's interesting is I get about 100,000 page views on my blog every month and I get about 60,000 views on my YouTube videos every month. And so what that tells me 
is that more people are actually on Google searching for stuff than they are on YouTube. I mean, they're they're obviously both big platforms, right? Right. But you know, Google's Google's a very big platform, and what's it cool, is the platform. It, it's it is, the number one search engine. It always will the be number a, one right? search engine. And so, if you're not on there, I mean, you're limiting a lot of traffic potential. And so, what I do is I'll take that YouTube video, I'll embed it into my blog post, and that feeds views to my YouTube videos you know, which again will help the algorithm on YouTube to then show my videos on, you know, when somebody searches for that on YouTube as well. And so it's basically just one of these things where you've already created the content. Like for me, you know, kind of my workflow uh, recently has been where I will actually start with creating my blog post first, just because it helps me to put my ideas on paper. Um, I, in the beginning, I actually used to create the, the YouTube video first, and I would just be like, you know, my videos would end up being like 40, 50 minutes long, which is not <laughs> ideal for YouTube because it's too long. People like yeah. 12 minute, 15 minute videos on YouTube and, you know, I can be long winded. And so I'm just over there, you know, I, I would, I would, you know, explain the topic really well, but it would take me very long to get to, you know, the point. The point, right. And, uh, and then what I was doing is I would take that YouTube video and I would have it transcribed. Then I would take that and try and take that transcription and shrink it down to a blog post, which, you know, when you have a 40 minute long video, that's like. 12,000 words. Like I might as well be reading a book at that point, you right. know, what I mean? to, try yeah. and, to try and limit that down. Whereas now I go the other way, I create my blog post first. And I know that if I create like a 1500, 2000 word blog post that I can then use that either as a script or an outline for my, my companion YouTube video the video. And, uh, and then that becomes, you know, a 12 minute, 15 minute YouTube video. And I make that and get it edited and then I go back and throw it and embed it into the blog post uh, later on. And so, yeah, so it's, that's it's, cool. It's, so then, your workflow yeah. goes from where it is now, which is pr pretty precise and, and very slick. I will say it's pretty, I've seen it in action. <laughs> so you go you, now that you have chat GPT, let's say, so you say, you write down your original thought, you do the keyword research of like, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I want it to be about. Cause I can see an opportunity, a crack. Right. And then you go to, you can go to chat GPT and say, write a blog post, you know, rewrite this. And then you take that, you post it onto your website, right? Yep. And then you take that and you can, now you can go to chat GPT. I don't know if you do or not, but you can say, rewrite this into a nine minute YouTube script or five minute YouTube script. You film it and you have a nice, what camera do you use? Just so everybody can hear. I use a, a Sony um, ZV-E10. Okay. So, so you have a nice, beautiful camera. You invested in it, right? Yep. And do you, do you script yourself or do you have notes or how do you film all your videos? Yeah. So for my like regular, like published videos, they're scripted. I have a teleprompter, all that good stuff basically just takes my blog post and, you know, and the nice thing is like, I haven't actually used ChatGPT the way that you mentioned it earlier, where it's like, um, just, you know, I put it in the blog post and then make it a script. I'll do that for like short form stuff, because okay. like I say that just the way that the, the, the prompts are, you know, the, to the tokens, I yeah. can't get like a long script with a long blog post fed into it yet. But um, I will use it for, for like short form stuff right now. And, okay. uh, but what I do do though, is I'll take my blog post and literally I won't even change a thing and I'll put that on the teleprompter. But what's great about it is, and, and you know, and most of the time I can just read my blog post, not word for word, but as I'm reading on teleprompter, I'm just kind of like using it to guide me. So like sure. if some stuff sounds too like just written, then I'll change it up. Right. I'll just go in and kind of, you know, add in my own little spin on that particular sentence or that particular paragraph or whatever. Um, but it's really easy to do with that teleprompter right in front of you. Got and, it. um, so then so you tell like, you, you read it and then, or, or, or highlight it and write, read the highlights. And then you do, cause I, I film content too. And I think a lot of people think it has to be per, a one take perfect time. No. You have an editor that you send yep. it to, right? Oh Yeah. And so you, when you, as you're reading this or doing it, there's times I know I do, I'm like, Oh, never mind, Don't take that. Let's go rewind that. And then you start over, right. Or start in the middle of it. Correct. So yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. Like for a 12 to 15 minute long YouTube video, like finished, like it's usually probably 35 minutes on, <laughs> of me on camera. Right. Because yeah. like, you know, my, my editor, like sometimes I'll just like stop and pause and kind of like recollect my thoughts. And my yeah. editor knows just like cut out all that kind of stuff, you know, or if i screw up, I just, you know, like uh, come back up on the script and, and, and just do it again, say it again, you know, do it. Sometimes I have to do three, yeah. four, five takes, you know? Yeah. The and then your thing. editor, where'd you find, where do you 
have multiple editors? Like where's, what's that real quick? Like, where'd you find that person? I've used multiple editors. Currently I have one editor that I work with uh, okay. consistently, but I mean, I've had to, you know, go through a few different editors to find the one that I want. What's I've a good website? Upwork. Upwork. There it is. Upwork. Yep. That's what it is. Yep, Upwork.com. Yeah, you can see reviews and you can, you know, search for people on there and, you know, get samples of their work, like, you know, what channels awesome. they've worked on, all that good stuff. And so, yeah, I definitely recommend Upwork. So they edit it and you invest in that because it's worth it, right? Overall. Because um, yep. you've edited your own videos, I'm sure at some I point. Have. And how yeah, long did yeah. that, would that take you? <laughs> Well, I mean, and that's the thing is, I mean, it, it took me like, even once I knew how to edit videos, I mean, it takes hours, you know, hours. to go through or like, yeah, to go through a video to add in all the assets and, you know, the different things into it to color grade it, to get the sound the way that you Graphics. want it. Like it, it, it. Yeah, it takes a while, right? And so even when you know how to do it, it takes a while. But I'll tell you, if you're like thinking like, you know, I'm of just getting started with it, it's going to take you like weeks and months, months, right? Just of like learning it, getting, you know, familiar with the program. Well, you then know, you have to buy Premiere Pro or Adobe Premier or something Pro, that Final costs, Cut. yeah, Final yeah. Cut that that costs almost as much as just hiring somebody, a third party uh, from Upwork, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. and then plus the other thing too is like once it's out of your hands, like at this point, like I just record, send the footage off, right? Like I don't see it again until it's like done. Whereas like some people may see it and be like, oh, I don't like that. And then they go back and they like remake. It's like, no, like just make it for me. I don't want to see it again. You know, I've already yeah. done the, the recording. It's done. Right. Yeah. And so take it off my plate. Yeah. So then you get there, you upload it. How many weekly YouTube uploads are you doing right now? So right now I'm doing about uh, two uploads a week. And so, you know, I was at one point doing all the way up to three, which is a lot. I'll tell you, yeah. even two is a lot right now. You know, for most content creators, like video wise, anywhere from one to two a week, I think is, is solid. Like if you can do that, just getting started, especially like, cause you're gonna have a lot of other things. You got to still sell real estate. You're probably yeah. out there working with clients, you know, uh, showing buyers around that kind of stuff. Like, it, you know, make it a goal. Don't, don't overextend yourself and think like, Oh, well, I got to do three or four or five a week. Like, you know, because so-and-so is doing that much. Like just make a goal to do one a week in the beginning. Yep. And then you'll know pretty quickly. Can I do more? Do I need to do less? Hopefully, hopefully, I mean, one a week is, is a pretty good cadence. Like on YouTube, you probably don't want to do too much less than that, but you know, but you got to do what works for you that you can be consistent with. Talk about batch recording. And this is what I do now. Um, I feel like a lot of people who create a lot of content do it. Most people probably know what it is, but what's your batch recording schedule look like on any given yep. month? Yeah. So that's the cool thing too, is like, if you're creating all these blog posts at first, um, you know, you're basically having all the scripts right there for you. And so like, let's say I make four blog posts, you know, and I haven't, you know, uh, made those videos yet. Well, then I just grab those four blog posts, throw it into the teleprompter. And like within two and a half hours, I can, you know, make the next four videos that are going to go on my channel. And so that makes it so much easier than like, especially if you have no script and you're just trying to sit there and make videos like randomly throughout. It's like, no, I'd rather just, you know, make four videos, five videos in, in a given, you know, morning or afternoon, send them out to the video editor, let them take a week, you know, to, to edit them, get them all, you know, done up, send them back to me. And then I just go on YouTube and I schedule, 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 schedule. And then, you know, my next you know, two weeks, three weeks or a month can be, it's a full system. It's a full system and a schedule and a business that you've created now. So any given month, again, if you're just going to release one a month, you could film on March 1st. Right. And then you have yep. four posts, four YouTube videos until April. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's to be honest with you. So like last summer, my family and I, we took a, a three month trip up the East coast. Uh, we started in Orlando. Yeah. Uh, you might've remembered this. We I do. Disney. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And that was the start of our, our trip. We, we ended up visiting like 24 States on the Eastern coast. We went all the way up to New Hampshire uh, over all the way to like Michigan. We were gone for three months. And, uh, and I think we published, I, I published probably close to about 50 videos while I was gone on that trip, wow. which is just crazy to think about it. But I mean, obviously to do that, um, I did spend a lot of time like leading up to that trip of like, you know, getting ready to batch. I batched a bunch of stuff. I scheduled a bunch of stuff. And so, but, but what was cool about that was that I could leave for three months and still have my, my channel going on, you know, not, you know, drop, not missing a beat. Yeah. And, um, 
That's super yeah, cool. And your audience had no idea. I mean, if no they know idea. you personally, they do, but a lot of them don't. So yeah, I, like, I still do a live stream. So like what was kind of oh, cool yeah, is I do I a live those. stream every week. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and so I'd be in like a different Airbnb, you know, that was the only thing that yeah. would be different. But if you actually watched my published videos versus my live streams, all my published videos were still, you know, me with my, my studio in the background. That's so cool. Um, all right. Well, man, this has been, to me, this has been so helpful. I always like picking your brain about this stuff because you have mastered something that a lot of people haven't we, in real estate and non-real estate. So it's super, it's super impressive. Most success is formed from failure, right? So what is a big, before we go, what is a big failure that's happened in your content creation that has, has launched you into this massive success? In my content creation, I would say, geez, and, and I still, and I'll be honest, I still, you know, deal with this right now, trying to work on this right now is, is feeling like I have to do it all right. Like, you know, it has been very difficult to, to outsource. And I know that I could have 10 times the results that I have currently today, if I were able to kind of get out of my own way on certain things. Right. And so you know, like I say, I've got a video editor, that's fine. But there's like a ton of other things that I that I'm constantly doing in my business that I'm like, you know, if I weren't doing this, I could just be making more content, or I could be doing this or that or whatever, right. And so I feel like, um, you know, I've gotten better at it. But but that is definitely in the beginning, I will say one of the things that just, you know, made it take longer for me to get the success was I was doing editing, I was doing I was doing everything right i hadn't hire anybody and um and it just you know was a slow grind right and yeah. now it's like uh i would say like a, a a a mild jog is where i'm at right but i'm still <laughs> not like sprinting full speed like i mean you see some of these content creators i mean you look like i still look at like you know the, the big ones right like gary v you know grant cardone i mean you see how many pieces of content yeah. these guys are pushing out granted they've got massive teams but here's the thing is i know content works like i know that game works and you know the only limitation is how much can you put out right and right now i'm limiting myself still to what my full capacity is and so i think you know the sooner that you can learn to to, to, to not be this like, oh, me mentality, like I only I can do this best or I've got to, you know, do it the, like the better you can kind of get to like outsourcing and, and creating systems around that outsourcing, um, you know, the more effective quickly that you'll be. Man, that's such good advice. And I, I need to, I feel like I try to give that advice too, because it's the same way with me. I'm, you can, you, you can't have any leverage if you're just doing everything by yourself and then you're just burnt out and tired and mad all the time. Yeah, exactly. You see success, but you're like, man, this is, I don't know if this is worth it. Right. So that's exactly. great advice. Um, well, Kyle, thanks so much for coming on, man. Um, you know that I, I respect you. I appreciate you so much. If somebody wants to reach out to you, what's the best way people can find you or if they have questions about content or real estate or, you know, if they want to join your team, what, what's, what's that look like? Yeah, for sure. So, you know, obviously check out, you know, check out my YouTube channel. You can comment on my videos. I do still respond to all my comments. So, I mean, that is something that, uh, you know, if you want to ask a specific question about certain thing, you can do that. Um, my blog as well, you can jump on my newsletter, uh, which, you know, you put on, put your web, your, your email address in there. I'm going to send you, you know, updates whenever I put out a new piece of content and then you can actually reply to any of those emails and they come straight to me. I still check all my emails too. That's another, another thing that, uh, I'm unlike most realtors. Cause I know a lot of realtors don't check their emails, but, but I do, um, which my email is just Kyle at the handy team.com. You can send me an email as well that way. Um, or of course, you know, find me on social media. I'd say probably the 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 best one that you can message me on uh, right away is is Instagram. You know, DM me on there. Cool. And um, just or because it seems could, like everything else it filters it. It, it filters does. It, you know? Or you could yeah. just Google Kyle Handy because he's done <laughs> SEO work. Actually, you should do it just now just to see how good he is because it's actually ridiculous. Anytime I I feel like I Google stuff still it has nothing to do with you and you're the second thing that pops up. I'm like, how, why is he writing a blog about buying a house in Florida? Doesn't even make sense. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you beat my yep. you beat me my game. No man, I appreciate you coming on um, so much. Thank you so much. And for all you listeners out there, make sure you subscribe so you uh, so you don't miss an episode. We had a lot more awesome guests coming up. Kyle, thank you so much. Um, and we'll see you next time. Thanks, Mark. Take care. Bye.
Thank you so much for listening to my episode with Kyle Handy. That was super informative, and uh, he's a good buddy of mine, so I always learn a lot when I talk to him. Hey, make sure you subscribe to this podcast because every Thursday we're going to release a new episode with a great new guest, and they are going to give so much cool insight. So subscribe so you get notified, and also it would be really cool if you give us a five-star review. That way it can reach a lot more agents just like yourself, and they can learn just like you are. Again, thanks for listening. See you on the next one.